Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another brand new episode of Repeater. We are fresh and clean. That is so true. And this is a live episode, which means Pat and I are actually pre-recording this bumper. We're recording this bumper during the first week of 2018, which is off to a pretty bad start. Yep, that it is. And we assume that by the time this episode comes out, everything has been resolved, remedied, relaxing. I don't know, but it's definitely better now. Oh yeah, welcome to the bright future that is 2018. It is very good. Speaking of other things that are very good, we have comedian and actor Josh Sharp on the show today. Josh can be seen on Comedy Central, on the show The Opposition with Jordan Klepper, and all around New York City performing a variety of different comedy shows. And you know what else is very good? Brothers. Josh's brother, Jacob Sharp, joins us on the show. Jacob is the mandolin player in a band called Mipso, and he came by to play us a cover of Ryan Adams and one of their own. Yeah, and it's really fantastic. We're so happy to share it with you guys. We really want to thank Jacob because he fought through three different days of canceled flights to get here from L.A. during a winter storm just to play this little itty-bitty show. So we are very grateful. Very grateful, and I bet his arms were tired. Go home, Pat. Okay. We'll also be very grateful if you guys rate and review the show if you dig it. So please do. And if you don't, stay subscribed. Stay subscribed. We know you're already subscribed. Stay subscribed. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Repeater. Are you boys Hello. good josh how are you good thank you welcome happy new year thank you and happy new year to you yeah it was a nice new year for you or yeah it was great okay that's good to hear that's it <clears throat> how long do you get to say happy new year for as long as you want really late <laughs> september happy new year yeah i think you can say it as long as you wish yeah well thank you so much for joining us today of course, thank you for having me. To get started, we're just going to talk about something we've been listening to lately. Great. Ourselves. Cool. Pat? Yep. Uh, surprise. I've been listening to a lot of K-pop. Um, <laughs> wow. This started off as an ironic enjoyment of Now, K-pop. you said surprise. Did you think they would be surprised, or these people are aware you like K-pop? I think it's probably about 50-50 at this uh-huh. point. Uh, but... If you've never watched K-pop music videos, you should, because they are bonkers. Um, But I discovered a song the other night called uh, Shake That Brass by Amber, and it is wonderful. (laughs) It's like Missy Elliott, but in Korean. That's fun. It's wonderful. But the chorus, the tag of Shake That Brass is in English or just has an English title? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Mm -hmm. in English. Uh, It turns out K-pop is very bilingual. Uh, most choruses are in English, I would say, and dive in between uh, both English and in Korean. Uh, there's one song they reference Marie Antoinette. Then the sentence goes back to Korean. No idea why she's in the song, <laughs> but I'm into it. So, yeah, Amber, shake that brass. That's fun. K-pop has really kept the boy band tradition alive, too, which is nice. Yeah. They still are putting together, like, groups gaggles of men young men for television shows and then yes. making them into bands and right. then the uh the female groups are insane They're oh yeah huge 
Am- uh, Amber's in a group called FX that's now only four members, which is tiny. And Shake That Brass is her solo venture. It's her solo venture. Yeah. Okay. She's Featuring Harry members of like the bigger groups. That's fun. I'm proud of Amber. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting Me her own too. Footing. Yeah. Yeah. She deserves it. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Amber. <laughs> this week, uh, I've been listening to kind of a throwback album, but it's uh, Alison Krauss's greatest hits from like the early 90s. Alison Krauss fucking rules. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's one of the best. And I think as a kid, that was like the compilation album would have been probably the one I listened to the most. Because I don't know that my dad had like a ton of her albums. But... I love that album. Uh, specifically, she has this great cover of Baby, Now That I Found You, mm-hmm. um, which is an old Four Tops song, maybe? I don't know, but I know the one you're talking about. Song, and it's a great, great cover. And probably the version of the song like I know the best. I think I probably heard it first growing up. So yeah, it's a real comfort album for me. That's really good. I was with my gentleman caller last night who's a singer and one of his friends who's also a singer. But she played an Alison Krauss song. Oh, yeah. And Blake, my boyfriend, didn't know that's who it was. And he was, to, my, to his friend, was like, is this you singing? And she sort of teared up. And she was like, no, but wow. <laughs> she really was, like, wildly impressed that he thought she sounded like Alison Krauss. She does have <clears throat> a fantastic voice. Voices. And she's, to watch her sing, she's effortless. Seems like she just opens her mouth and it... Yeah, it's rude. It so nice. <laughs> it's rude. <laughs> um... What's the live one? That's the one I used to listen to with um, Union Station yeah. or whatever. Um, I have the DVD. Yeah. But I can't think of the name of the actual, like what it was called. It's really good. It's very good. Yeah, uh, I believe, isn't nowadays, isn't Alison Krauss with Union Station featuring Jerry Douglas? Oh, that makes sense. Run-on thing. Yeah, he's got his own he got, like, billing. More famous. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, this week I've been listening a lot to James Blake's album from t- 2007. 16 color and anything that newest one that's not that new but it's so good it didn't get enough love i think when that came out i don't think i know it do you know james blake i know of him but i've never oh he's great he's really cool and weird and interesting he's like a british classically trained pianist who was a dj so he does this sort of like croony clearly like dub influenced music but it's not dj music it's it's like r&b it's very weird. It's strange. It's very singular, it feels. It's wonderful. It's also like really good cold weather music. I feel oh, like. yeah. yeah. It's like sad, lonely. And it, so then it's like a lot of it is like him and pianos and th- synthesizers, but it's sort of like, you know, brooding, melodic music. But with when the bass hits, the like dub influences that it's like, so it will rock you. Oh, yeah. It's like someone has written like sort of a piano ballad with a fucking shake your ass bass. Yeah. That's in it. <laughs> So then he put out this album last year that's a real mess, but I think it's really good. <laughs> it's got so many songs and it's all over the place, but it's really good. His other albums were sort of more like concise and yeah. packaged mm-hmm. and felt like things. And this sort of feels like it's like, here's just a bunch of nonsense. But to I, me, it works. I felt a little bit that way about um, Miley Cyrus and the Dead Animals. Is that the name of that album? Was that the one with the flaming lips? Yeah. Or no? I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Maybe it's not. Then. But it was it's I a think you'd know. album. Um, yeah. And it's very all over the place, but it's very interesting to listen to in that way. James Blake first got known for a cover of Feist's Limit to Your Love, which is worth listening to. Because it's like sort of like 
more or less sounds just like the Feist song, except for there's like a British man singing it. So he, and he like wouldn't pronounce a T if you paid him. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like a waterfall, you know? But then every time it hits the chorus, there's just like this warbly low end bass that is truly just like, will like shake your car. Wow. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. It's very cool. I'll have to check it out. Check it out, I say. I will. Uh, what song did you want to talk to us about today? We're going to... Um, I've chosen the song Let It Ride by Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. Great. From the album Cold Roses. Do you know Ryan Adams? Yeah. Ish? Some people. He had like a spell where he was doing albums with a bona fide band, like a set band, and those albums were always billed as Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. Yeah. And in like two years, he put out like eight fantastic albums, but Cold Roses is really the best. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's get, let's do a clip of the song actually okay. right now. Let it ride. Must be a gambling man. I mean, this song reminds me of a road trip I haven't taken in like an old Ford pickup. Yeah, you could take it to Atlantic City or Vegas or another place where you can let it ride. Mm. You got to ride to let it ride. I could ride to a pedal steel and put that in the flatbed. Attach a pedal steel to a flatbed truck. Yep. You know, I guess we all have different dreams. If that's what if that's your dream, then I think go for it. Touring musician. You got to get on a, the road. You got to get a truck first. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we like to try to guess why you picked this song. Okay, go us. for it. So cool. Uh, I think that you were. Uh, I don't know when this album came out, so I'm going to guess you were in high school, working a job at a drive-in movie theater, and this is the one of the only like album sets you had with you. And you listened to it a lot there. And this song stood out because it made you think about getting out of this job and going on a crazy road trip. Wow. It was an evocative answer, and he really painted us a picture, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Evan, what do you think? My guess is that Ryan Adams is the hometown hero of your general area, and that when you wanted to start playing music in your adolescence, uh, you and your friends tried to be Ryan Adams, and so you learned a lot of his songs. That's my guess. Evan's warmer, I think. If you need, a, did you, is there a winner? Is this how this works? No, Do I have to say a winner? <laughs> well, Evans won. Evans, but not really. You're closer though. Okay. There's a lot of reasons, I guess. Like the central, right. the most immediate reason was that, as you're maybe all aware, the construct of the show is that a musician will be playing this song in a little later, and this musician is a person I know. It's my little brother, who's a touring musician. Um, so with that knowledge in mind, this is sort of a song that's important to us and to me when we were in high school and would like play songs together. This was one of the first ones we like learned to play, but it also was like that album I feel like was in that high school time of like when I learned what cool music could sound like. Mm -hmm. I don't even think this is, this isn't my favorite song or my favorite artist or my favorite album, but it, it sort of is of that time when Mm -hmm. you were like, when your friend burned, like when Haley Carter burned me, okay, computer. Do you know what I mean? Like right, in that sure, same sure. like year, I also got into the Cardinals and like understood what like real music could sound like. Yeah. Cause before that I listened to a lot of like contemporary Christian trash. And then it was like only like in like <laughs> seventh or eighth grade that I finally was like, listen to real music. Yeah. And sort of then like dove in deep in high school and yeah. like music was my thing. Like knowing about the music I liked was my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But then the immediate connection is that, Jacob, who's now makes his living playing music. Yeah. Um, and I would sometimes play together. And is this fair to say, Jacob? Because when I was um, 
in like middle and high school, I would play piano a lot and then taught myself guitar and music was like one of my things as an adolescent sort of. And so then when you were wanting to get into music was tell me if I'm misquoting you either now or later, you can sit on it for 40 minutes and then say it when you do your song, when you were like thinking of getting into music, it sort of felt like I had sort of co-opted some of that. And so that was some of what led you to be like, I should play the mandolin. Well, you stole my guitar. I stole your guitar. <laughs> it got better with me at it. So I thought guitar was bad. Inherently. I thought so guitar was bad. Yeah. But I needed something different. And now he's a fantastic mandolin player. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get mandolin Origin players. stories. Yeah. So then we would sometimes play a little, like, play at the church or go and play. There was, like, this one bar above an old Greek restaurant that we'd go and play at sometimes. Nice. And then I went to college and started doing like comedy stuff and didn't do music. And, and then Jacob went to college and did music and then made it a job. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That rules. Um, were you, was it like just the two of you guys playing together or did you have a band? Sometimes this aforementioned Haley would sing with us, but no, we didn't really have a band. It was like the two of us would do a lot of stuff. That's really cool. I mean, casual. It wasn't like we were gigging, but we would, it was a lot of like, um, in that way that like there'd be company over and your parents would be like, play them a song. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's a lot of that. Now, is this a really musical family? Um, ish, really just the two of us. So the other brother can carry a tune, but is not, uh, I mean, doesn't really play anything, but has like sung with us for, you know, fun family times. My parents not really are. We have a grandfather who was like very musical and wanted you to know it. And then it sort of seems to have like skipped a generation and then, is that how, do you think that's part of how you guys got into it or what piqued your interest maybe in music or was it something else? I wanted, I was never forced to do music and then, which I'm glad for, cause then I wanted to play the piano of my own volition and then I went like really big into it. And then I got into Ben Holtz five, which was yes. the other sort of like early, like yeah. getting into adult music. And that made me just wanted to learn to play the piano more. And then also, you know, obviously eighth, ninth grade, like Dave Matthews was also sort of like a sure. gateway drug to guitar and such. So <laughs> Um, but no, I don't know if it was really these grandparents who did. This was like a grandfather who was like a minister and would sing. You know, it was like a. It was not a cut type of music that you as a teen would want watch and be like, I want to do that. He's very talented, but I mean, like, yeah, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. you watched that and said yes. Yeah. But so it was probably more like <clears throat> just defining who you were as opposed to like. I think so. We were from a sleepy little town, so I think like getting into like cool music and then going and seeing concerts and like driving an hour and a half to Charlotte to see cool shows and stuff felt like a thing to do. Charlotte, did someone whistle at Charlotte? Hey-o. Are you from Charlotte? Thomasville. Oh, okay. So I'm from a little town in North Carolina, but this goes to both of your points really, which is that also Ryan Adams is from North Carolina and is like locally famous there, I guess in some ways. But, um, so that was probably part of it too. He must have seemed like a big deal, I would say. Him, but even more so at the time, the Avett brothers were the thing that we were like, really felt like our, local heroes because like ryan adams had like grown up in north carolina and then whiskey town was his first band and they were like a thing in the indie circles but then he'd like moved to new york and la and was making rock music yeah he'd already been kind of a big oh yeah he was like not really you know and he is doing like a southern country folksy sound obviously but wasn't there anymore but the avid brothers i remember when we were around were like becoming a thing and we could like you know feel like we knew them yeah and did know them i mean like just because when we were first yeah, you could probably go see them. I saw them at right? Rib Fest, you know, like at like county fairs. <laughs> when we were kids, we would go and see them at county fairs and stuff. Yeah. And, and like knew them. I remember booking them to play our college and, you know, like hanging out with them. And then and then now I guess they do like arenas and stuff. Yeah, but they played Madison Square Garden this summer. They're like full Mumford and Sons now. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, they started Mumford and Sons. And they started Mumford and Sons. Mumford and Sons. Yeah, they're Mumford and Sons again. Mm-hmm. It's a weird how that works. So I think it was some of that. Yeah, but certainly in high school, it felt like like liking cool music felt like an identity. Yeah, in that in, in that era time when you're trying on identities, you know. Of course, yeah. Was there anything about the style of music I guess that he plays that resonated almost that like because there is that connection to to more countryish southern music, even though he's a rocker, you know. Well, his the Cardinals albums are the best because the band is awesome, yeah. and so then it is sort of him doing like country folk like story songs that like can sometimes feel a bit interchangeable in that way but he does it really well i think but then that band pops so well yeah yeah and they're all sort of like all that band were they're all like deadheads and stuff too so they like understood the idea of like riding a group yeah (laughs) um so those records i think are better than most of his other stuff yeah that's uh that's what got me into him i think i kind of ignored him when his first what are his, his first two albums? Um, Heartless? Heartbreaker. Heartbreaker and Gold. That's the one everybody knows because Heartbreaker has Come Pick Me Up, that one that's like, um, it's like the breakup song. It's like, he's like, <laughs> come pick me up, knock me down, fuck me uh, over, yeah, yeah. steal all my records. It's like a full country song, but you know. But yeah, it was the, the albums with the Cardinals, I think, are the things that I even noticed because it's that it pushes that much more in that direction. There's very good musicianship on those albums yeah. and with mm-hmm. that band. Yeah. It's like very much like, oh, you got like the most talented guys you knew. Mm-hmm. But I think he's probably too much of a prick for that to last. So then now he just sort of <laughs> plays with whoever can like cow to him. him. Yeah. yeah he like cycles like... through drummers now. <laughs> oh, God. I've got to find a good drummer. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So you got into, you made music your thing <clears> in. High school. I think that, yeah, one of, but like it felt like a thing. Well, like church and music. And I felt like a funny kid, but you, I didn't know what to do with being a funny kid, really. Yeah. yeah. But music was a thing you could like do something with a little bit. And not even just playing it, because I wasn't like playing it a ton, but like being interested in like jazz or like knowing yeah. jam bands. They were like things that it felt like you could like, and they're like weird obsessive cultures. Like I was also yeah. really into fish high school and college. Mm-hmm. And I actually just saw them the other day on their New Year's run. I don't really yeah. care about them that much anymore, right. but it is like still fun to go back um, and yeah. went with a friend who's sort of still in that thing. And even as someone who like, I haven't listened to them, I never listened to them anymore, but because I was like into them in that, you know, age, like 17 to 22 in that certain time when your brain, like if you want to know everything about something, you will. It's yeah, like the only sure, time sure. in your life. Like right now, if I've got found something new I liked, I wouldn't be like, oh, awesome. I'll learn. I'll learn everything. I'll memorize <laughs> everything about them. But like that's the time that if you happen to like be interested in something, you're like, oh, great. The next step is to spend all of my time consuming all of it. Yeah. So that so, that part of my brain is like will never be rewired. <laughs> so I can still go and he'll be like, they'll play a song and some part of me is like, oh yeah, brother, they haven't played that since 1998. I'm like, yeah. what the hell? Why does my brain still possess this information? Yeah, many- I think just the other day I was thinking of a song and I was like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's on Story of the Ghost. Like a fish, like a fish reference that I uh, don't know why I knew it, but I still You like fish? It. My whole group of friends from high school were very obsessed with fish and I was like the least obsessed and had a brother who was really into them. I, I still, so much about as someone who thinks artists. they don't really matter as much anymore, like they're not doing anything, like the new music they're making is not that interesting to me, yeah. and and some of their, their, they've like lost the abilities they used to have, so I don't really care at all about them right. anymore, I won't, 
if someone loves them, I'm not going to argue why they're sure. not. If someone hates them, I'm not going to convince them they're good. Yeah. But I still sort of do think that from like 1993 to 1998, they were like the greatest band that's ever existed. <laughs> and again, it has to do yeah. with that weird like monkey part of my brain that's like hardwired to. But then yeah. this was wild because now one of my friends is friends with Mike Gordon, their bassist. So we had like backstage passes and hung out yeah, with them. Awesome. And that's also, I mean, that's a great that. way to see a show at Madison Square Garden is with backstage passes from the band. So that maybe also <laughs> colored my experience. But yeah. Yeah, because a lot of other shows there are less fun to see. Yeah, exactly. So we had, like, great seats with his wife and daughter, and, like, you know, it was very fun. How many times have you seen Fish? I think it's 40-something. But a lot, but and that is not much in that community. And most of them were, like, and it would be so much more because they sort of had two big breakups, and I was obsessed with them for most of those big breakups. So for when I was, like, most of my, you know, fandom was spent in latency when they were, like, dormant. But then when they came back around one of the times, it was like the end of college and I was still into them, but sort of getting out of them. And I was about to like move college and go to New York and they had announced like a big comeback tour. And it was like, they'd like broken up and then because of drug issues and inner turmoil and then come back and not changed a thing. So it only lasted like a year and a half before they're like, oh, well, this is insane. Then they broke up for like many years and then they came back and it was on that one that they came back that I was like, oh, I have to go see that. Well, they were doing a bunch of summer shows. I was like, I'll see a bunch before I move on with my life. And I remember there was like a tour that was like three weeks. And the last show was at the fabulous Fox theater in St. Louis, which is like a very small thing. It's like 3000 people, which is very small for them because they mostly play arenas. So I remember putting into the little lottery and being like, I'll just see if I get tickets to that one. And then got front row seats and was like, Oh, this is a sign. I have to go to all of them. (laughs) So then I went to like three weeks and did like a bunch of shows. And so then at that time, at the, you know, it was like at um, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, which is um, uh, has a big a medical research center and stuff there. Mm-hmm. So then I did a trial study of a experimental uh, drug to, um, because they paid me $6,000 if I went and took this trial drug. And then over the course of a month would go and give um, blood, semen and rectal tissue samples. <laughs> so did that and it funded a summer of following around fish. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. That is a beautiful note, yeah, for, like, their tour. Because at, at that point, I was like, I, I won't ever do this again. Because I was, right. like, about to leave college and move on. So I was like, oh, I'll yeah. just do that. So then I saw a bunch then. And then other than that, you can sort of, like, see them. I mean, they did 17 shows at Madison Square Garden this year. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. you could see, you could have seen them 30 times this year without get, needing to take a car. You know what I mean? I have a friend that went to all of those. Yeah, Maybe I believe it. one. Yeah. That's why like forty is not much in that yeah. world. It's I like, think she's up to, and I might be fibbing. It might be thirty something. I don't. I haven't counted really. Yeah, I think she's up to like hundred and ten. Yeah, uh, it's really a thing. It is. It's fascinating because the uh, the last thing they did at before New Year's, they did a Baker's Dozen, so they did thirteen shows, and her tickets came in the mail, uh, and they're all circular like little donuts. So the, so the thing for those of you who don't know is that like why these people do this. The, the easy answer is drugs, but it's not real. the real answer. Those only are like the enhance what is already happening, which is that they do, they make a very concerted effort to make each show feel unique yeah. and like literally do not in the way that every rock show sort of feels unique. Like they don't have a set list. So it's like you would like, for instance, over those 13 shows and they play about like a three and a half hour show because they do like an hour and a half and take an intermission and do an hour and a half and then an encore. And they didn't repeat a single song. They played like 340 songs. And, you know, I mean, so they like because they have a ton of songs and yeah. then they also know a lot of covers. 
So you truly would go every time you'd go and be like, I don't know what's going to happen. And they improvised so they could play a song you've heard and it would go somewhere else. Yeah. So for that one, they had all those donut themes yeah. and there was like every night was a different flavor donut. And then they would learn new covers that were about the thing. You know, they do a lot of like inside <laughs> jokes with their people. Yeah, so that it does create like a tribe of like people. Yeah. And then they also get high and the lights are cool. So then it's like on top of that. <laughs> and, it, and it's a thing that um, really satisfies people that have spent those years putting all that knowledge in their brain. Oh yeah. Because they can, they're able to play with set lists, transitions, uh, teases of songs in ways that their fans like really, really, really uh, appreciate or like get off yes. on kind of. Because they'll hear them like kind of go in one direction like, oh man, they never do that. And they can switch right back and go do something they more traditionally do. And, and demographically, there's a fish for every, like straight men do this with baseball, gay men do this with drag queens, nerds do it with comic books, like hippies do it with fish. There's like a thing that's like built for you to obsess over. You know what I mean? I think for each demographic. Yeah. So it's really for a certain type of person. That's the thing where you're like, oh, this gets me. And also they've created an entire world that I can like immerse myself in and learn everything. And, and it like becomes more it like you could appreciate it greater with the more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's like no improvs that you know what I mean. Like all these sure. like subcultures are yeah. like usually that where it's like oh you'll like it on the surface and the more you know the more you'll, interesting it'll be to you. Yeah, there's you don't have to, but you know, no limit to like uh, this is enough knowledge about this thing. No, like, yeah, you enjoy it more the more you know about it, or the right. Like there's a finite limit to how much you like what you can know about Ariana Grande. Yeah, and that's not, not even shade. I think Ariana Grande is fantastic. But I mean, like, there's like things where they're not, they're made to be quantifiable. Mm-hmm. But then there's other things that are made to be, you know. Yeah. Fish's brand is not that you'll get it. Their brand is like, hey, dive in. <laughs> 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 Buckle up, motherfucker. Yeah, hang around for 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then you went to college and got into comedy there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. and, and would still see a lot of live music. Yeah, like, I yeah. feel like that never went away, really. Yeah. I but then it wasn't like playing music as much. Right. It was Chapel Hill a good place to be into music? Yeah, because there's Cat's Cradle. It's like a really cool rock club there. And the local 506 is like an even smaller club there. Um, and then there's like the bigger rooms. But there's like Cat's Cradle is like one of those rooms that like Nirvana play. Like all the cool yeah, bands went yeah. through there, you know. So Have you been to it? Chapel Hill? Yeah, once. Briefly. It's a neat town. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but yeah, so what was... What was it about comedy that got you to sort of expand from music and on the stage to tell jokes? Well, sometimes I think I like music more than comedy, but then like it enough that I don't feel intimidated to do it. Or at least I used to. I don't now. I maybe don't care as much anymore. But at that time, I think I didn't know how to like do it in a way that I liked. And comedy felt easier to do in a way that I was like comfortable with. Yeah. But then I was from like a little shitty little town. So then it was like, which is actually a cool town now. Yeah. Jacob knows it's become a cooler town. It's strange. But then like, so I think I was like a funny kid who didn't know what to do with it. And then in college you like find the comedy, you like find out about like improv or what you're like, sure. Oh people, you're, there's a way to do this. That isn't just like making your teacher mad. <laughs> yeah. Your introduction into that world was improv. Right? My entree was improv. Nice. Uh huh. There's like a bit, there's like a thriving improv scene down there. Yeah. Also, oddly, there's like a lot of improv in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Yeah, it is. It's like a little, I don't know, a little bat, like a oasis, you know. Yeah. And now there's lots of them, but it's like yeah. been that for like 20 years before sort of right. every town had two improv theaters. That's pretty cool because that meant that in college you actually kind of knew what was up and you knew maybe what to do next. With yes. It. And so then we would come up to New York all the time 
for UCB because there was a lot of UCB connections to Chapel Hill. Like a lot of people who did comedy at the places where I did it, like moved on to UCB and would come back mm-hmm. and do shows. And so then there was a little bit of like a funnel. Yeah. And then UCB is sort of like where I got started here. Here. Yeah. Now, now um, and UCB is fish also. I've often said this to people because like improv nerds are apt to look down or mock fish. And I'm like, you don't understand. No. It is you, but just <laughs> looks different. It's just like, it is you. It doesn't look that different. Doesn't even, it's just like a little more facial hair, a little less glasses. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple years old. Yeah. On average, but they've oh, just God, swapped yeah, the booze for drugs and grown out their beards. And yeah. that's it. Yeah. Very little difference, but you do a lot of, you do a lot of music. In your comedy. Yes. Now, right? So then that's fun. I feel like now I've ended up doing more music because in the comedy world, it's like the bar is low for being good at music. Like <laughs> wrote a musical at UCB and do a solo show at Joe's Pub where there's music because it's like people are like, wow, you can really sing. And I'm like, wow, you really don't go see music. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks. Yeah. Uh, but I do think it's fun to like include in, in comedy when yeah. appropriate. We, were, we just, we just uh, had another episode of the show where we were talking to somebody about um, kind of how fun it can be to take something really beautiful and use uh, this talk about music specifically, uh-huh. but just being able to mash that together with things that are also funny. Like uh, it has the ability to play with people's expectations on a level that getting up and, you know, just having a mic at a stand-up thing is not quite as capable of Yes. So, like, I'll do this. I've been doing this solo show for a few years that now I do at Joe's Pub. That's basically just like a stand-up, you know, like a 40-minute set. That there was a time where I had, like, a half hour, and I was like, oh, I want to do it. But I didn't really want to just talk into a microphone. Mm -hmm. So then I did it early on, like, three years ago, where instead I did it where I had a band, and they were playing D'Angelo's How Does It Feel? And I would do (laughs) the verse and the chorus of How Does It Feel? And then they'd groove on that chord progression, which is, like, hypnotic and sexy for like 15 minutes while I did stand up. And then there was always like a cue in it where they'd know to like slowly vamp it up. So that at a punchline, the chorus would come in and I'd sing it and then they'd vamp for like 15 minutes and I would do more stand up, and then the chorus would happen again. <clears throat> so it was basically just like 40 minutes of stand up inside a very long version of D'Angelo's. How does it feel? <laughs> but it does like change it where it's like, it makes like it sets the mood in a different way. And people are dumb. So, like, every time a chorus comes back, they, like, are like, ah, <laughs> they, like, crap and scream. But just yeah. because, like, your brain likes to, like, it's satisfying. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also, um, you're entertained the whole time, you know. So I think things like that are fun to think about, like, how to use music. Yeah. Or, like, Aaron and I wrote, like, a musical that we did for a while, but that's, like, more of, that's more obvious how music is intertwined when you're writing a musical. Yeah. But it allows you to do things that there were, like, things where, like we did this musical at UCB for a while that was really crass and foul. But then because of that, it was like pretty cartoony and absurd. It was called fucking identical twins. And it was the parent trap of everyone were monsters. So it was like two (laughs) terrible wall street guys in their forties realized they're twins that were separated at birth and then try to set up their parents, even though their dad's now gay and their mom's like 140 years old and her (laughs) pussy fell off. So there's like no reason they should ever be set up. It's like, everyone's a monster and terrible. Uh So it's like a pretty, um, bizarre premise it's a cartoony world right yes. so like already with that like premise then when you're doing music on top of it you can get away with anything like we could just like fully ham like do stuff you can't do in other comedy shows but i think it's because like when you start singing the audience already knows to like suspend their disbelief yeah. so then when you're just like fully breaking the fourth wall or doing nonsense also there's like 
there's like ways in which you can like do jokes that are jokes but aren't understood as jokes where it's just like it's not really a joke it's just I'm singing and I make my mouth go like you like do a weird sound and people laugh and they don't know why they're laughing and it's like I don't know what to tell you it's just music but you made it sound funny but it's like a joke that doesn't exist in any other modality yeah I mean you're just playing with different elements you know you're there's you're juggling more things than in a standard comedy show right and there's a delight I think to the audience in seeing that and they're kept on their toes I think this is true yeah did you ever do musical theater no not really no what a world though yeah that's what my lover does but it's it seems like an intense world yeah Yeah. i like musical theater though because that's another thing that a show like that would be uh playing off of you know the the crassness uh of that show of that premise well yeah musicals are insane they're insane they're insane but they're also like usually you know um a lot of that i don't want to say they are usually but a lot of musicals that are very, very popular, I think, are kind of bright and fun. It's true. It's weird that the modern musical that now what they want to do are these sort of like fault in our stars, feel all the feels, chamber pieces, these like Dear Evan Hansons and stuff that are funny because like the premise of these people all singing together in unison is is fucking insane. Like it's like <laughs> it's not it's not real. It's, it immediately breaks any reality of what's going on. But that's what's nice is it's like usually used to underscore mood or story or character, right? Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. when you're doing, you know, like Oklahoma or Carousel or some of these like big sweeping things or West Side Story that's just like Romeo and Juliet, it makes sense. But now we have all of these like sort of stories that are more compa- like the modern Pasek and Paul musicals are all like very much more like feeling and emotional and like teenage angsty. So it's yeah. funny to see how those get translated into that same thing. Yeah. Now is the uh, is the the kind of cross section maybe of a lot of the comedy world and the musical theater world? Is that like what we would I would call cabaret in the city? Yes, but and cabaret is like its own. Weird, do you like much cabaret? I don't know much cabaret. Oh. I see a lot of great people doing it. I can advise so you. Do you guys it. see much cabaret? So it gets a bad rap too because it it oftentimes just feels like it's like. Like the idea of bad cabaret is usually like washed up musical theater actors just like singing standards and telling their, and that's how I got to New York stories. But there's like really great people who are like doing cabaret, which basically just means like singing and talking. Like there's not really a strict definition of what it is. And in the, in the setting too, it's, it's, uh, it's not the spaces, it's not, the, it's not necessarily big theaters where you're going to see right. musicals and it's not necessarily comedy clubs or all. Right. So like Joe's pub is my favorite place to see. But then that's like, like Bridget Everett is someone who's like broken out and was doing cabaret, but she was like singing these songs that are like raunchy foul songs. And then in between just doing these like breathy, insane monologues while she like crawled on people's tables (laughs) and like molested men, you know, like it was, she's like truly an animal. She's insane. It's like swigging Chardonnay and crawling around. So there's like people who found these ways to do these things, the form that's basically just like, I'm going to sing some songs and tell mm-hmm. some stories, but like make it something that's wild. Yeah. You know, Catherine Cohen, No, she's great too. But like people are finding these ways to be like, Oh, I'm going to sing some songs. And, and it feels different than sort of musical comedy, which sometimes can feel a little hammy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there seems to be a kind of thriving scene of it right now. I think this is true. What, or what Justin some... Vivian Bond is really good to sing. Oh. Justin Vivian Bond is does used to be in this thing called um, Kiki and Herb, which was like sort of like a queer happening for a decade and a half in New York. 
and they would just do these cabaret shows, but it was mostly covers, but she is like, um, it's just like, they're more personality driven. I think most of these things where it's like people who are like, you can't really quantify what they do as, as far as you can just be like, you have to just go see this person. They're like magnetic and weird and insane. (laughs) Yeah. What are some other, just like for people out here, what are some other venues that are good places they can check out? What are the other good venues? Hmm. What do you help me to? What are the cool comedy spots these days? I feel like. Cabaret stuff now, I feel like happens all over the place. Happen at the duplex right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like the duplex, which is like right next to Stonewall, and it's like one of the oldest queer spaces in New York, and really is run by like a bunch of old queens, and it's just like this beautiful (laughs) little shithole. There's like a piano (laughs) bar downstairs and like a cabaret theater upstairs. And there's a, a lot of garbage that goes on there, I'm sure. But I feel like a lot of our like cool comedy friends have now also co opted that space. Cole Escola was doing stuff there for a while. Cole's the funniest and is on Amy Sedaris's new show and yeah. um, difficult people and girl boss and everything. And it does like plays exclusively women and just would do this show where he would like have the stage lined with wigs and would just do all of these strange characters. Yeah. Um, and I, he was always doing his show there and then we would do a show there. And now I feel like a lot of people do like fun, yeah. weird comedy shows there. But then sometimes you're in spaces like that where you want to do a comedy show, but there's like a piano on stage. And then it does make people be like, well, I guess I should sing a song. <laughs> and then it's sort of fun. And it's not just a bunch of men talking about their dicks or whatever the modern comedy show sort of is yeah. these yeah, days. Absolutely. And to be clear, my show is mostly me talking about my dick. I'm not denigrating yeah. dick talk in comedy. but well, That's why you have the musical backing. That's why you have the musical backing. But yeah, I think that's true. I think that's there's like a lot of that fun stuff happening these days. Yeah. Yeah. I finally saw Ryan Adams live this year. Okay. Just to circle back. Good. But I, for some reason he'd been one I'd always missed, Mm -hmm. which was not true of most artists, but it was good, but not as like good as I wanted it to be. But I sort of was one, it was the thing I was walking in being like, you'll probably be disappointed. Yeah. (laughs) That's, I think that's kind of how I would expect that to go. Yeah. I mean, how does, it's funny, I listened to his cover album today for the first time. Which one? Oh, yeah. That Taylor Swift cover album. Which is, like, good, but feels like a stunt, but a good stunt. Yeah. that's what He did, like, release, like, a cover album of Taylor Swift's 1989, right yeah. after that came out. And it got a bunch of press and play. Yeah. I think it was really big for him. But it made me kind of think about his whole catalog. And I think if, if I were to go see him now, it's like I just wouldn't know what he would be playing from all of the stuff he's written. Yeah. And it could just really be a sucky show or it could be, it was, it was good. It was like really good, but you know, I think the show is like more, it feels more like a standard rock show where it's like, he's got the set and he's got a pretty good band and they're going to play these songs and not as much like, like the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. I would like listen to all those old live recordings of them. felt like a unit that was like more in that fishy way where it's like, what's going to happen? Like, this is just like a great, a band at their peak. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you get to see him? Uh, at the Beacon, Ooh. which is a lovely space. Yeah, Beacon's great. Speaking of jam bands, I've only been to the Beacon to see Government Mule. Oh yeah, that's a quintessential <laughs> jam band. A, they do a New Year's run every year. I don't know if they still do it, but I used to go every year for a few years there. Government Mule is this run by this long-haired old Southern man named Warren Haynes, who would sometimes play an Almond Brothers band. Their biggest song was a song called Soul Shine, mm-hmm. the chorus of which was Baby Let Your Soul Shine Down. <laughs> um, it was like true hippie nonsense, but he's so good at the guitar. They used to always do this show called Warren Haynes Christmas Jam at the Asheville <laughs> Civic Center, and we'd drive up and see it a lot. They still do it. They still do it? 
<laughs> and it's always Government Mule, but then it's other bands too, right? Yeah. But yeah, we would always go. I was in all those jam bands yeah. in high school. He's a god in that scene, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, he's like, like, like an elder statesman. God. Yeah, well, I mean, like, um, but he kind of was, uh, he took, he felt like he was carrying a torch forward, especially as somebody who joined the Almonds. You know? Yeah, and then also played with the dead, too. Yep. At a certain point, that community is so incestuous that if you're good, you're like, okay, you get to play in all the bands. <laughs> yeah, all the bands who have had someone else die, Yeah. you're going to get to fill in occasionally. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Because if you like... Those are people that now, really when did you see Government Mule at the Beacon? Here, um, probably 2010, 2011. And what were the circumstances under which you felt called to see Government Mule at the Beacon? <laughs> I have a very good friend from home, who John, who is obsessed with them, really, really loves them. And he and his friend would go since college. They would drive up from Maryland, and then they would meet one from Maryland, one from Massachusetts, and they went every year until John had a kid last year, but they would go every year. And so I went, the, when I first moved to New York, they would crash with me every every time. I believe they've stayed with Pat and I live together. Oh, but they've stayed congrats, guys. Thank you. That's huge yeah, for a relationship. Yeah, it's it's a great next step for podcast hosts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so there, I still have, a, we still have a very full bottle of honey liqueur that they left us one year. That we from 2010? Yep. I think so. Probably. Think Most honey liqueurs are from vegetables. 2010. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? But yeah, it was a very fun show. Yeah. They're a great band. They're great. This is what I mean. Like, Fish is like, I don't, like, me not caring about them anymore doesn't mean they're not good. And then when I went, I was like, oh, this is the best. Like, when I saw them <laughs> last week, it truly was such a good time. I was like, I get why if I, you were me then now, you would be it. <laughs> I'm just not me then now. Sure, I'm me now sure. and not then. You're me then, but now. And I'm me now, but now. Yeah. And so, but it, I, it's so, they are so fun. Also, those kind of shows, those jam bandy shows, which the Cardinals at that time, I think, were in that scene very much, yeah. too, um, are, like, just such a different experience because no one's trying to look cool at them. <laughs> and it's so refreshing, no. especially in New York, where people are mostly trying to look cool at shows. Yes. Like, people don't dance at rock shows as much here because, like, you're sort of, like, you know, you're, yeah. Yeah. you're looking cool. But there, people let their freak flags fly. <laughs> There's a great, I think it's, like, a, maybe a well-known or well-tread viral video of a guy dancing at like Coachella in 09 uh-huh. he's on a hill by himself. Yes. Being, looks and of course cool at Coachella, at everybody's like, ew, but like yeah. at a fish show, it's all of them are him. Like if you weren't yeah. him, you would be the one that people would be like, look at this guy not dancing. <laughs> Absolutely. The beautiful thing about the video though, is after like two minutes of this guy dancing alone, slowly people kind of start joining. Like the first few join him mm-hmm. to mock him. But then eventually it just grows, grows to like a 200-person party on the side of this That's hill. That's awesome. Because once you're actually enjoying yourself and don't care, you're having a fantastic time. Yeah. And that's what those shows are. And it's so much more. And they are like the dumb part about them is that they really are built to make your soul shine down. You know? <laughs> like all of that hippie nonsense they evoke, they sure, do try sure. to do. Or they're just like, just come on. Like, let loose. Like, feel it. I overheard Government Mule playing at Central Park at the summer stage. Sure. And it was a lot of fun to watch uh, because I was just walking past and, you know, there was like a long, elongated guitar solo happening. And then they like went into a Led Zeppelin cover and it was like somebody had like flipped a magnet on and all these older dudes sort of (laughs) gravitated over to the fences to sort of peek over. (laughs) It was wonderful. Who's playing Zip? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Jacob, will you do me a favor and get me some more water? 
He's my brother. It's only because I'm going to sing a little bit with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it won't won't work because I've been talking for so long. I can feel it already where I don't want to ruin it for him. No, that's very exciting. Because that's going to happen soon, right? The singing? That's what I was... I think we can end the interview now. Wow. Right? That's fantastic. (laughs) That's fantastic. Oh, thanks, everybody. If you'd like to hear Jacob's cover of Let It Ride by Ryan Adams, head on over to repeater.show where you can stream that tune. Cool. You did it. Or you didn't, and you're saving it for later. Either way, let's get back to Jacob for some original music. That's fun. That was the first time I ever played live was at Yanni's Greek Restaurant. (laughs) Wait, don't you think it was... What about that time at Montreal? Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 And now I remember. You were adorably nervous. Yeah, I was was shaking so much, I had to turn. (laughs) This leg was not working, so I had to turn that way so nobody could see the leg that couldn't work any longer. (laughs) Which is a good trick if you're ever nervous. Um, So I'm in a band called Mipso, and we play around here a lot. We're based out of North Carolina. But uh, I'm gonna play you one of those songs when everybody go home. This is really cool. Evan and Pat, thanks for having us. Um, This is a song we just put on an album last year, and this is a song that Joseph, who's my best buddy in the band, or my best buddy and also in the band, (laughs) wrote on. I was thinking about it, I flew back from Los Angeles last night, it had been delayed for like three days. And I've been in this place where I've kind of like falling in love and feeling all these things I haven't felt in a while. And this song Joseph wrote when he was maybe falling out of love, which is a harder place to write a song from than falling into it. And I remember when he played it for me and asked if I'd sing it, and I was just thinking about it so much last night. So I thought I'd play it for you guys now. It's called uh, Spin Me Around. <laughs> Through the pouring rain, bass and Bristol headed south. I've been thinking of reasons to leave you. I ran out. I try and say goodbye every county line. Something's clear to me now. They say love is a dance, and I understand. Spin me around. You've been spinning me around and around and around. can hold I'm a pilgrim through the state volunteers trying to steer passing these towns missing how you spin me around if there's a currency of a guilty plea it's in promises and lies ain't it funny how fast you can pass to the other side there's a bar and we found in a room that's round What is time but a song? What is love but a dance? Two children, one will I chance on and on You've been spinning me around And around and around we go I've been holding on as long as a heart can hold I'm a pilgrim through the state Volunteers Trying to steer Passing these towns 
missing how you spin me round. Spinning me around, around and around we go. I've been holding on as long as a heart can hold. I'm a pilgrim through the state of volunteers. I'm trying to steer passing these towns, missing how you spin me around and around, passing these towns. Missing how you spin me around. If you want more of Josh Sharp, make sure to tune into The Opposition with Jordan Klepper on Comedy Central. Josh is a correspondent on that show. He also performs all around New York City. Make sure to check out his show at Joe's Pub called Josh Sharp Sings. And if you want to hear more from Jacob, make sure to check out his band Mipso at mipsomusic.com. You can check out their latest album, Coming Down the Mountain, or keep an eye out for their upcoming album, which is currently a mystery name. Uh, but they also have an upcoming tour, which sounds like it's going to be a blast and absolutely go see them live. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to go see them live. And it was uh, very fun to get to talk to Josh all about kind of his upbringing in North Carolina, uh, his musical history with Jacob, which was really fun. And of course, fish. A lot about fish. Yeah, you almost said too much, but that's not true. You can't talk too much about fish. It's the most confident I've ever felt about talking about fish. That's good. We're reaching a new place in this show. Unexpected. So for all you fish fans and want half-informed commentary on the band Fish, make sure to tune in week after week as we confidently kind of discuss fish. (laughs) This is now a fish podcast. Indoctrinate me. Yeah, Pat's going to get sucked into the world uh, against his own will. Too bad. We (laughs) hope that you guys are sucked in and that you're subscribed to this show and that you rate and review us. Those things would be absolutely wonderful. We would love it as much as we love fish. We do love fish. Until next time, hit repeat. Evan, put your fish 1997 tour shirt on. It's from 2004, but okay. Repeater is hosted by Evan Forbarden and Patrick Cartelli at QED in Astoria, Queens, a place to show and tell. Find out more at QEDAstoria.com. Our show is supported in part by Hi-Fi Records and Cafe in Astoria. Visit them from wherever you are at HiFi-Records.com. Editing by Stephen Garvey. Theme music by The Sun Lions. Everything else by Love Nest Productions. Welcome to Repeater. Repeater.